1: This week, an episode that first premiered in February of 2012, it's an episode we call Out of Place. Hello kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is the Freak Fandango Orchestra behind me now. I'll tell you folks, we had such a blast, such a crazy blast in San Francisco doing our live shows at Sketchfest this past weekend. We're just going to make this show four stories from those live shows. We noticed a lot of the stories last weekend were about things that were out of place or people that were out of place. So we called this episode Out of Place. Our first story comes from the lovely and talented Nikki Glazer. She's at nikkiglazercomedy.com. We got the title for this one off a box of Cracker Jacks. We call it Surprise Inside.
0: January 17th, 2009. The day that Sully landed that plane in the Hudson. So I want you to picture what you were doing that day. And this is what I was doing that day. I, was, uh, I had just started seeing this guy. I got my first boyfriend that night. We had just uh, established it on a bench outside a hotel. We were both living with our parents at the time. So we had to meet up at hotels like we were cheating on our family. And so we had just, we were smoking a cigarette on a bench and we were like, we're going to be boyfriend-girlfriend. And I was like, I had my first boyfriend. We went inside to seal the deal. I remember he's giving me a real good rogering and in the middle of it, um, which I love that phrasing, by the way. Good rogering. It sounds like classy, which it wasn't. It was real gross, but... Uh, <laughs> it sounds like he might have bought me flowers or something, which he definitely didn't, but uh, he was a jerk. But point aside, at one point during it, he he seems bothered, and uh, I remember he goes, what is that? Like, something that's been bothering him a long time. First time I heard of this. He goes, what is that? And I'm like, what? And he's like, there's something scraping my dick. <laughs> and I haven't heard that since the last time I gave a blowjob, so I hadn't... I have huge teeth, I'm not good at them. Um, <laughs> nuts. <laughs> and... Uh, And I was like, I was, of course, really offended. Like, what the fuck are you talking? He's like, do you have something in there? I'm like, no. He's like, do you have like a a diaphragm? I'm like, I don't wear a fucking diaphragm. Who? My ancestors wore diaphragms. (laughs) (laughs) Diaphragm's like the shoulder pads of birth control. Like, it's popular in the eighties, but I'm not wearing a diaphragm, IUD. So I was like, no, I don't know what it is, but you thinking I have a diaphragm in, it maybe explains why we're having condomless sex way too early. I don't even know how that happened i think he had a really good argument like i was like i don't think i'm ready but he was like come on um, i was like good point so so i'm like i don't know what what are you talking he goes babe feel he called me babe because of the movie but that was um he was such a jerk i hate this guy but anyway so I, at the time, I'm, like, so in love, and I'm freaked out, and I, and I, he goes, feel, and I reach up, and I, it scrapes my finger. It felt like, like, a fucking tooth or something. (laughs) I was, like, what the fuck? And I started crying instantly. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, like, he was, like, do you put shit up there? I was, like, I, know I don't even wear tampons! That's not true, that's gross. Uh... (laughs) If I wore pads. No, but I don't know. I was like, what is it? Like it was like, it was so scary. Of course, I couldn't reach it. It was so far up that I was like, you need to get this for me. Because he had very long fingers. So he plied it out. And guys, it was something I had never seen before. It was what I can only describe. Um pr- it was, looks exactly like um, a chapstick cap. It's exactly that size, like, you know, like the, the classic chapstick, but it was light blue. So it looks kind of medical. And, um, and I was like, I've never seen this thing before in my life. And he's like, I don't like, he just thinks I'm putting shit up there for shits and giggles. Like, that's what I'm into. I don't know <laughs> who would be into that. So I I'm freaking out and I'm trying to promise him. like I swear I didn't put anything up there and he's just like whatever and he got over it and eventually I convinced him like I guess it was something that a doctor left in me I mean that's the only thing that I can think of and I kind of moved past it I told a couple people and they said you know you should you should sue did you suffer I was like I didn't suffer from you know it was yeah it was really embarrassing when he found it and yeah I could have. He could have broken up with me or whatever, but that didn't... Ha- and sure, there were a couple yeast infections the past couple months, but I just chalked... That, that, that wasn't really... That's... No, no, don't act like you've never had them, guys. Uh, <laughs> so I was just like... that. I didn't really start... So I, I called a, a lawyer. Um, this happened in Los Angeles. I figured the doctor was in Los Angeles. I was living in St. Louis at the time. And he said, well you didn't really suffer there's nothing really we don't have a case here and so i was like okay that's fine it's just a good story i'll tell someday on a podcast and uh like i knew i would tell it podcasts weren't even around back then but i knew or at least i maybe they were but um so i forgot about I, like i just kind of like let it go and then one day i was online and i was like I'll, i i like remembered it because i kept it in a drawer i held on to it <laughs> Oh, I forgot to bring it here. I still have it. It's traveled with me, almost like a good luck charm. I didn't stay with that boyfriend, but I was planning on the an- our anniversary to sh- string it on, like, a hemp necklace and give it to him. I'm st- I might still do it, but... Uh... So I still have it. I was gonna bring... I wish I would have it for you guys, but pass around, like, the worst show and tell ever. <laughs> I disinfected it, but... <laughs> So I, I came across it in a drawer, and I, re- I was like, I, sh- I should Google. So I looked up, I, w- I was trying to find maybe anyone else this has happened to, or what it could be. So I typed into go- this took, you know, a really long time to figure out how to Google this right, but I put it into quotes. I put in, found in my vagina. <laughs> it was in quotes. This is how I found it. Like, this is like the weirdest Ask Jeeves search from 96. <laughs> like, what is this blue camp? <laughs> And then a blue cap on its own. So that's how you would get this if you want to try it yourself. So this, I Googled it and turned out there's a girl that posted on some kind of message board, freaked out. Like, did anyone else, has anyone else found a weird blue cap in their vagina? (laughs) I swear to God. So I am like, oh my God, I freaked out. I emailed her right away. She lives in Des Moines. I wrote her. And by the way, I was going to Des Moines the next day to do stand-up at the Funny Bone. And so I wrote her this whole email, like, I'm with you on this. Like, I found one in my vagina, too. I don't know what's going on. By the way, I'm coming to the Funny Bone this weekend. Like, if you want tickets or whatever. (laughs) And uh, so she... She wrote me back and I was just like, I can't believe, like, what do you think it is? And she wrote me back and she was like, this is a fucking conspiracy. <laughs> She's like, I think they put cameras in there and we need to like, con- she thought it was like, do- like she wanted to track down the doctors who did it. She thought it was like, a con- I, which I did not think it was. And she was like, are you kidding me? You think that we just ended up with these two things up our vaginas just out of nowhere? Like there's not someone behind this? <laughs> And I was like, I went to a free clinic in Glendale. Like, I don't think these, these doctor, the woman didn't even, like, there's no way that this was a conspiracy. So, and she didn't come to my show in Des Moines. She, she probably thought that was a conspiracy. She was like really into like, that was how I drum up people to come to my shows. <laughs> Just Googling people who found stuff in their body, like the worst street team ever <laughs> assembling. <laughs> So she never even returned my it's like well first of all let me say this. She didn't believe me at first. She was just like she what really was like, what what do you like cause I was like I found the blue cap too, i see your pictures, it's the same thing. She was like, Well, I need to see your pictures too. Like, show me so I had to like take a picture of and I remember she was like, make sure that, like you date it next to it. So I had to like write the date next to to prove that it was like really the thing. So I like I still have pictures in my phone of it. I'll show you if you want to see it after the show. But uh <laughs> So I didn't hear from her, and I I, I kept holding on to the thing. And that was where the story should have ended until, like, that's where it was ending until a couple days ago when I decided to Google it again and be like, is there someone else that came out? And there is. I I did the same Google search again, and since uh, that date, another person has found the blue cap in their vagina And I just always thought it was like a piece of like, I had an HPV test and it was like, they put in a thing and there was like a a cap on a vial and instead of plugging it, it just, the cap fell off or something like that. So that's always what I assumed. But this girl, the third person that I found the other day, (laughs) figured out what it was. And it was certainly my fault. It was, it's a part of the applicator to a Monistat 7 that, I definitely did it to myself. (laughs) And which I was okay with because I was okay with this the whole time but I was really excited to send this to this girl in Des Moines. (laughs) I instantly forwarded it and wrote in the subject conspiracy. (laughs) And then made a link and I go I think you should check this out tiniest conspiracy ever. Because I know what she's thinking, because it is a conspiracy. You use the monostat, you put it up in your, a in cap is inserted, and then it causes yeast infections. And guess where you gotta go? <laughs> right back to monostats. <laughs> so that is my story. Thank you very much for sharing.
2: No portuso in sta ma già Oh yeah, oh yeah, e l'acqua sta cascando in
1: Dear God in heaven, that is certainly out of place. Uh, that is yet another LP that my editor Jeff Barr reached deep. Deep down into someone's trash, rooting around like a rat in a sewer, pulling out private property, sopping, sopping with garbage juice. Our next story comes to us from the brilliant Ben Grant, a dear friend of mine from the state. You also know him as uh, Travis Jr. from Reno 911. I've always felt that Ben is one of the most talented people I've ever known. Here he is kind of getting back to his country roots with a story we call What Stays in Casper. So I'm a
2: writer mostly.
3: Um... And about like three or four years ago I got kind of sucked into doing writing workshops Which is, it's fun Because you sit around and you hear people's stories People under the context of They're trying to put together a screenplay Like really open up And, and like say they're either say, Autobiographical or it's something That they think is the best idea in the world And it's, it's fun Like people in this weird little rooms, Like really kind of get very honest and, and, and talk about themselves And it's neat I did one at the CIA at Langley, uh, there was a writing workshop. Where they have a, a group there called Invisible Inc. That's the CIA agents whose hobby is writing. Uh, uh, and somehow, through the CIA, I got an invitation to do a screenwriting workshop uh, for the uh, Cowboy Writers Association of Wyoming. And so I said, fucking, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll do it. Because uh, it's weird. And I like going and doing weird things and meeting people I never would have met. So I, I go to Casper, Wyoming. And in Casper, Wyoming, it's like the eastern side of Wyoming. And there's nothing. It's not mountains. It's not like uh, Yellowstone. It's just flat. And so you, you drive and there's just like fucking nothing. And, like, uh, and, I go to, and they, they put me up in a, a Holiday Inn. And then I go and, and do this workshop. And uh, I'm there at the workshop, and it's like maybe 30 people, and they're old like cowboys. And, they're, and like, most of them were like 60 and 70. And I think that if I had been talking about anything, they would have shown up. Like if I was talking about origami, or the time I got picked up by a UFO. Like I think, I think they would have come, because they were just there to see something. Because they're in Casper, Wyoming, and like, uh, and they all look like fucking cowboys. And so, you know, and i and I'm like, and I start, and I say, so what do people want to? What are questions that you guys have? And they're silent, and they look at each other, and then like this big kind of Wilford Brimley guy in the back stands up and says, "Formatting software." <laughs> like, okay, yeah, final draft. Here's final draft. Here's the website. It's great you'll love it, and they're all like cowboy poets and stuff, and so I, and it's good, it's fun I, I give this lecture, and like after the end of the first day, this guy who's like about 20, and he's like this Hank Williams guy looking guy, like a cowboy dude and he says, hey you want to see Casper do you want to hang out and see Casper and I said, yeah, let's do it let's, let's see Casper uh, and so he says, yeah, come on I'll, we'll take you to this, this place I go, and we'll, we'll see Casper, and I'm like, sure, let's do it I, I love this And so I get in the pickup truck with this guy, and, like, my life, Travis Jr. is this right-wing, Rush Limbaugh, gun-toting-like guy, and that's, I run into, like, when I go out across the country, I run into a lot of guys who are into comedy, and a lot of guys who are into guns. Like and, and they and they both kind of like Travis Jr. and uh, and so like I've had to drink a lot of tequila shots, like in, in across the country, and I've had to ride mechanical bulls four times. Because they're like get on the bull, and I'm like yeah, all right, you know, and that's I'm not that guy, but like I'm not gonna say no to mechanical bull, and I'm not that good, but I say yeah, I'm really drunk, so I'm usually much better at the mechanical bull. Um, and so we're driving, I'm in the pickup truck, and I'm like, what tonight, what's tonight going to turn into? And then I see that in his cowboy shirt, he's got a, a tattoo here of a high heel, like a red pump with fishnets. And I'm like, okay. Like, and, and, and so I like say, what's, and I, and I like this, it's fun. I'm like, what's your tattoo? And so he takes off his shirt, and uh, he's covered with ink. And on this side, he's got, like, those red, like, Satan topless broads with, like, the Betty Page hair. Like, he's got that on this side. And on this side, he's got a uh, he- high-heel shoe fishnet. High-heel shoe fishnet. So, like, when he goes like this, it's like the hair is right there. And I'm, like, right on. Like, all right, I get it. I get where we're going. And he takes me to this bar. And it's a, it's a punk bowling alley in casper wyoming and it's black light and it's speed metal going and like everybody there is like fucking covered with tats and fucking crystal methed up and like and they're all there with their wives with like push-up bras and like betty page hair and like and, and, and then i start talking to the guy and he's a oil rig guy he's 22 and they all work on oil rigs and they, they travel to where the oil boom is. So they go around. And so like it's this weird culture of like punk rock fucking dudes. <laughs> and they and they work on oil rigs and they go to Wyoming and then Texas and then Alaska. And so they're just like these fucking crazy like dudes. And they're all in punk bands and they all know each other. And they're like, Yeah, that guy's in a band. They suck. Like, and that's what they all say. And I'm like, all right, right on. This is so weird. And, and a guy comes up to me one of the guys and they all know Travis Jr. is here Travis Jr. is here so a guy comes up and says you ever had a Jack and Coke? and I think he's making fun of me and I'm like yeah yeah I've heard of Jack and Coke yeah and so he he gets Jack Daniels takes out cocaine and we all go good and I did four of those like and it's fucking cocaine. So like my, my mouth is and I kinda my teeth. And like and we're there and we're listening to fucking Hank Williams the third and like and like like bowling. Uh, and then and then we go out and do we go in the truck and we do donuts in fields for a while. And it's like it, but it's like donut, 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 donut stop <laughs> Donut, 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 donut. Um, and then at, at a certain point, a guy says, hey, you ever want to do a drug you've never done before? And I said, sure, yeah, of course. That's I'm in Casper, Wyoming. Um, and so I've never done, and have since never done, uh, salvia. Salvia fans? Not many. Uh, so we go to this place, and we go to this place, and it's like this big, giant compound uh it's like this house with like a barn and i can't tell who lives there or anything and i'm 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 40 and i was the oldest guy there by like two decades and so it's like all these people running around and it's like you know people making out and girls and like and and they line up to do salvia the only guy my age is this apache guy who's looking at me like And so uh, they say, Who's never done it before? Travis Jr. has never done it before. Who else has never done it before? And there was like, like a, a couple. So they, they, it's a girl in front of me, and they say, Okay, let's, this girl, you do salvia, and then Travis Jr., do it and we'll, we'll, we'll all do salvia. And so I, I have no idea. Either. I'd never heard of it. I have no idea what it is. And they say, No, like the, the Aztecs used to do it. It's cool. I'm like, Great. The Aztecs used to do it. It's going to be a treat. Um, <laughs> so this girl does it and so this girl like like she sits down and like you fill a pipe it's like it looks like gray cocaine is what it looks like and you put it into a pipe and it's it's powder and you go and you smoke it and then everybody counts down from 20 20 19 18 17 and like and so and so this girl takes it and they're going you know 10 9 8 7 and this girl who smoked it hits the floor like bam like, she's dead. And then on the floor... And on the floor, she starts shaking. And she goes, 7,000? <laughs> 7,000. And, like, I'm next. And I'm, and I'm, like... And I'm with all these dudes who are, like, Travis Jr., man, doing Salvia. I'm, like, all right. All right. Uh, so so she's she, after, like, uh, about... Five minutes, they hustle her off somewhere, and she's fine—not <laughs> fine. She's hustled off somewhere. So I, I like, so I do it, and so like, they fill it up, boom, and I'm holding it in, and they're going 19, 18, 17, 16, and like my fingers start to feel weird, and then I start to think, and I was very sober because I was on a lot of cocaine, like, and and, and, and I start and I start to think like oh this is just a bunch of kids it felt like nitrous it felt like, like when you do a whip it like it felt like your fingers get tingly and I was like oh I'm going to pass out for a second and like these kids are making a big deal of it because they're kids and like, like yeah my fingers are tingly and then I was outside laying outside looking up at the sky and there were a bunch of people around me going it's okay it's okay It's okay. It's okay. And I'm looking up on a ring of faces going, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're cool. It's okay. It's okay. And I don't remember how I got outside. And I don't, And I like, there was a gap. And I don't, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of drugs. I've tried everything. I've tried everything. And, like, I've never been this fucked up in my life. Because I woke up with people going, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I didn't remember where I was. I didn't remember who I was. I didn't remember what cold was. I woke up and I think, wow, they're all wearing more clothes than I am. They're wearing coats. I should be wearing a coat. I didn't wear a coat because I'm from somewhere else. I am not from here. And and like over about five minutes, I put together, I wasn't from here. I was from somewhere else. I had come here. And I put together, and like, it sounds like the closest thing I could, it must be like being born. Of like, oh, what's going on? They have eyes just like me. I've got eyes cause I can see them. Eyes can see. And like and like and that was the thought process. And, and like and I put it all together and then they showed me and then after like and honestly, after ten minutes, I was totally fine. Like I, I was fine. I, I didn't feel like I was hungover or anything. And they showed me the video like one of them phoned the thing that I did. And when they, they, they showed me the phone thing. And like so, on the on the phone tape, they, they I, I smoke it seven six five, and I'm going like this, and I say, "What are fingers for?" <laughs> don't remember that. And then and then I, and then I walk to the door, and obviously I know what doors are, <laughs> don't know don't know doorknob remember door, not doorknob. Because I look at the door and I'm like... Knob! And I walk out. Don't remember that at all. Uh, And then afterwards, the guy who took me there, Corey, like the guy with the, the tattoo guy, like he did it next. And he was like, Yeah, I mean, you get better at it. You get to be, like, a pro, and you remember your trip, and, like, it's great. And this guy went after, like, I don't know, seven after me, like, after my recovery period. And this guy, Corey, and, like, he did it. Hit the floor. Stood up. Ran out of the house. Climbed over the fence. Never saw him again. In my life. (laughs) Thank you.
1: is Risk. You're listening to Far Off, doing a mashup of the Beatles, the Kinks, uh, LCD sound system. I could swear I hear Zeppelin in there. Just a heck of a lot of Britons. It's filthy with them. Next up, we have another person you know from both the state and Reno 911. She's a favorite of our listeners. The wonderful Miss Carrie Kenny Silver, with a story we call Let It Burn.
4: Thank you guys. I have to apologize. I took a bite of a carrot when I got here and choked on it like a 42-year-old and fully lost my voice within a span of about 30 seconds. Um, and I was at a Led Zeppelin concert. Um, no, this is a story about the strangest thing I ever found in Nikki Glaser's vagina. No, no, it's not You guys can't hardly see me on that side. This is my good side, too. Anyway, sometimes I talk like this. Um, This is a story about the man who gave me my hyphen. My husband, the Jew, Stephen Silver. He is so full of love and so wonderful and has so many great ideas. This wasn't one of them. When I had first given birth to my son, I think he was about six months old, and I was basically just a walking milk machine for my husband, he loves milk, and I had to go to the store and get my milk. It was every day, just, if I wasn't with the boob, I was pumping the milk into this boob. No, there was none of this. Um, that happened before, and then the baby came out. It's a whole long story, you guys are too young to know about it. But anyway, I was tired. I was tired. I, 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 it's, it's having a baby sucks. And um, my son came out and he was beautiful and darling and adoring and sometimes a dick and he made me tired. So my husband said, the amazing man that he is, I want to take you somewhere to do something wonderful. I want you to let loose. I want you to relax. I want you to have fun. But I'm not gonna tell you where we're going. Guys. Don't do that. (laughs) He said, here's the deal. You can pack a backpack. Already, I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) And what you can put inside it is an outfit that you might wear to a cocktail party on the moon. (laughs) My husband does a lot of acid. So I do what any self-respecting woman who's headed to the moon for a cocktail party would do. And I throw my tube top and high-heeled flip-flops into a bag and my false eyelashes. And he takes me off to the airport. Well, he ha- I don't remember how he kept me from knowing where we were going. I think because I was complaining that I didn't want to be there. <clears throat> and we get to up into the air. And at this point, I still don't know where we're going. At a certain point, the pilot says, ladies and gentlemen, in about one minute, we will be landing in Reno, Nevada. (laughs) And I was like, you motherfucker. (laughs) I get one night off and you take me to fucking Reno, where by the way, I had never been in the six years of shooting Reno. And there's a reason for that. (laughs) Well, this, I thought, was my unlucky day. He says, no, 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 just wait. Just wait, it gets better. Better than this, I thought. It did. The plane lands, we get off the plane, and he takes my hand, and he walks me across the tarmac with my high-heeled flip-flops, my tube top, and my false eyelashes. And he points to what I can only describe as... A Volkswagen with a (laughs) propeller on it and we get on board as we're flying and I look down and basically yes we were flying to the moon because we were in the middle of fucking nowhere now let me tell you a little something about myself at this point in the story I don't like the desert I don't like surprises I don't even like cocktail parties but I'm trying to hold it together because he's worked really hard on whatever this is. (laughs) At some point, this pilot says, look down, you'll see it in a minute. And I'm seeing nothing. I'm seeing craters and nothing until I see this rows and rows of something. And I don't know what it is. And he says, It's Burning Man. Now, you all don't know me very well, but I thought my husband did. And the only time that I believe we ever spoke of Burning Man was with me saying some sort of sentence like, Jesus Christ, I hope I never fucking have to go to Burning Man. Well, he misheard me. So we land. And I've got a fakest grin I've ever had on my face because I'm thinking, it gets better. Something good's gonna happen. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> we had to get from the airplane, the Volkswagen with the propeller on the front to the Burning Man part with all of the people. So we took a taxi which was an old Subaru covered in rubber chickens. <laughs> Driven by a man wearing a penis on his head. <laughs> so we get to, I'm wondering what's the destination? What street are we gonna stop at? I hope there's a Starbucks. <laughs> and we get to a motor home. Clearly he had a plan, there was a destination. And this is where I start to feel like an asshole. He says, welcome home. And he had sent ahead with some friends who were in for the long haul, some lunatics, (laughs) a tent, some food, some water, some wine, actual glasses, and a box full of what was to be that night's outfit for me which was mylar, duct tape, and some glow sticks. <laughs> and now I'm starting to think, now I remember why I married you. So my husband makes me a remarkable get-up out of these items, and he says, let's go. The man is burning. On the way to the man burning, we make several stops, one of which is, I don't know, like a... a giant breast tent (laughs) and everyone's in various forms of undress and I'm wearing a very conservative mylar dress with duct tape and glow sticks because after all I'm still a lady (laughs) and we're sitting in this boob tent or whatever it is, something way more creative than that I'm sure, I'll give them some credit and everyone, you know, it's creative, it's great, I get it. I went to the Experimental Theater Ring of NYU in 1988. It was very cool. And we rolled on the ground, and we were naked, and we went, oh, we breathed out of our eyes. <laughs> so I get it, it's awesome. Um, and then there's this man <clears throat> sitting in a hammock made out of human hair. And he's about 65 years old, and he is completely naked. And I realized as he cupped his balls, this man is not creative. He's just a fucking pervert. (laughs) There were a couple of them. To make matters worse, he then said, Carrie Kenny, I'm a friend of your mother. (laughs) And now the wheels are turning and I'm trying not to look at his balls as he's cupping them. Just admiring the human hair hammock. And he says, don't you remember me? I helped your mother with the car care clinic for the League of Women Voters. Oh, yes, yes, Carl, I remember you. Mother will find it funny that we met here. Shall we take a picture? No, no, that's okay, I'll just tell her about it. And Then we chat for a while because I don't want to be like a square. I'm like, it's cool. Sometimes we hang out naked in hair hammocks. Like, whatever. It's totally cool. Went to ETW. So I'm sipping on a drink that's in like a giant penis with like the, it's, you know, whatever. Fuck me. And, and I, you know, we're discussing like, isn't it a shame that they shut down the Waldbaums to put in the new Heyday Organic Market? Oh my God, tell me about it. I was just thinking about that and um, then we go watch the man burn finally thank you so good to see you carl what a treat i've been wondering about you all these years um and we go watch the man burn which was exciting it really was exciting and you know then it's like romantic and i'm thinking you know what this is kind of cool but the coolest thing of all was that on our way back people were stopping by strangers saying so we'll meet you at 2 a.m there's a rave on fourth and Butterfly. (laughs) And we're like, Yeah, cool. We love Raves. Four AM. We're gonna meet you guys at the big dance out. Yes, we'll be there. What'd you say? Four? Okay, four AM it is. All the way down we're making plans till my husband gets to the tent. He unzips it. He says after you. He hands me an ambien, a sleep mask, and earplugs. And at 10 p.m. on Burning Man night, we went to sleep. Had a lovely sleep. Woke up at 7 a.m. People were still partying. We took the chicken taxi back to our Volkswagen. (laughs) We flew back to Reno and then we flew home. And I realized when I got home what an ass I had been, that I didn't trust my husband, that he knew me, and that he could do something amazing. But I did think to myself, And I kept myself from saying it out loud. Next time you want to do something for me that's fun and free and relaxing, there is a Four Seasons about a mile away that you don't have to take a chicken taxi or a Volkswagen with a propeller. And I would prefer that. That's my story. Thank you.
2: Susan, did you hear those sounds? I sure did, Bob, and that means it's time for a game. One of these sounds is not like the others. One of these sounds doesn't belong. Can you tell which sound is not like the others? By the time we finish our song. (laughs) You are a stick. I don't
1: give a fuck who you are. A little more insanity from Jeff Barr there. And before that, we heard The Boat Song by Set Sail. Our last story comes to us from a comedian. Uh, If you haven't seen his stuff before, you definitely should get online and check him out. Mr. Shang Wang, super smart, Super funny guy, I love his style. He's at shengwangtime.com. He told the story at one of those wonderful shows we had in San Francisco. We call it Voltron Lives.
5: Hi, everybody. All right. Um, My story takes place uh, summer, 2002. I was about to graduate college and I was freaking out. I was very anxious about the the need to suddenly grow up and navigate real life after school. I didn't have a job lined up like most of my colleagues, but I did spend a ton of my parents' money earning a degree in business administration. (laughs) And I learned that I think I want to be a poet maybe a photographer, maybe a comedian. (laughs) Something, you know, more about, like, art and and, and fun and not so much about business administration. (laughs) I lived in this little house. Uh, It was, like, classic, like, really carefree college lifestyle. We had five students living there, so we called ourselves Voltron House (laughs) after the 80s cartoon where... Five big robotic lions would come together in a time of need and create this huge, sword-wielding enforcer of universal justice. <laughs> we were of Ultron House because there was five of us. That was, like, where the similarities kind of dropped. <laughs> there was five of us. We'd get together, and we just, like chill we'd we, we drink forties on the stoop, and just people watch we'd grill ribeye steaks on the propane grill, and we we would have kega parties funneling you know beer down our throats and all that I was like well this is, this is all going to come to an end it's time to you know the fun stops now it's time to grow up it's time to be serious, live in the real world, do grown up stuff and that was killing it was just consuming i just I was just like, damn this is I, I I didn't like I didn't like it was a very stressful time. <laughs> and uh, one day my friend JP called us and he uh, asked if some of us wanted to uh join him and some of his friends on a trip to San Gregorial State Beach for a party that evening. And JP was a former resident of Voltron House. He, he graduated a <laughs> year earlier. <laughs> and he uh went he moved back home with his parents, started, teach, started working, started teaching uh, high school students. And he was a very cool dude. Uh, he, was, he was soft-spoken. I didn't always like, know exactly how I felt about things. Like, I couldn't really like, judge how he was handling post-college life. And I, I kind of felt like he might have missed college or something. I, I, I thought, you know, all right, cool. A road trip to the beach, that's a great idea. Let's, let me get out of my head. Let's stop worrying about the future. And uh, by the time we piled into JP's uh, 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 Chevy Suburban, it was like twilight. To make sure that I was gonna have a really good time, I ate this pot brownie that I, this old, old, crusty pot brownie that I was saving in the freezer for like a special occasion. And the brownie kicked my ass. It was so effective. I remember at one point we got to a grocery store to get some beer, and I remember telling one of my roommates, I was like, dude, I envision my body (laughs) as one gigantic nostril. (laughs) And I'm breathing through every single one of my pores right now, it's beautiful. (laughs) So we're driving, JP's driving. I'm sitting shotgun, I'm on the front seat. There's five other guys in the back. It's a Suburban, it's a very big car between like the music blaring and, and, and the pot just keeping my mind busy with all these epiphanies. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really have time to like, I, I was like, I, I'm not gonna, comm- I'm just gonna, I was isolated, I didn't wanna talk to anybody. I just kind of stared out my side window, looking at all, we were like on Highway 1, and I'm just staring at these like, trees passing by in the darkness. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear a lot of screaming, people are freaking out. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I I looked in front of me and I noticed that we were in the wrong lane on this two-lane highway and there's headlights in the distance. And I grabbed the wheel and I swerved into our lane and I assumed that JP had fallen asleep. And I yelled, I said, JP, wake up, wake up, dude. Wake up. And And I left it at that. I just thought I took care of everything. I'm going to go back and uh, trip out of my head some more. Not more than two seconds later, people are shrieking. People are freaking out again. And I look. We are once again on the wrong side of this two-lane highway. There's oncoming traffic now. And I took a good look at JP this time. His mouth is wide open, his eyes are wide open, but I don't see any pupils. I'm like, this is, this is not right, this is not right. I grab the wheel with my right hand. With my left hand, I reach down between his legs, start to apply the brakes so while trying to barely peer over the dashboard to see where I'm driving this car. And physically, it's pretty challenging. I got my core muscles engaged. I'm balancing, I'm stretching, I'm I'm I'm, you know, I'm contorting my arms. Mentally, I'm still one gigantic nostril. I'm the furthest from prepared mentally you could be for this situation. I noticed that JP's foot is on the gas. The car is still jamming down this highway. I'm, I'm on the brakes, I could hear revving of the engine and grinding of the brakes, and it's taken us a long time to slow down. And at one point, J.P. starts to regain some consciousness, and he says in this very confused, groggy voice, he's like, let me drive, <laughs> let me drive, what the F are you doing? And when I heard that, I, I had a couple thoughts. And When he first said, let me drive, let me drive, my paranoid mind was like, oh no, JP is not happy with this year of uh, real life after college and he's done and he wants to check out now and he's gonna take some of Voltron House with him. <laughs> I gotta stop this car and get, it, get everybody out. And then when he said, what the F are you doing? I went to a whole new thought and I, I started second guessing everything. I, I said to myself, yeah. What the F are you doing, dude? This is crazy. And I I thought I might have hallucinated the whole situation. And I just freaked out and started driving with my arms from the passenger seat for no reason. At that point, the car, we finally stopped. I I threw it into park, I grabbed the keys, everybody jumped out except for JP. He had no idea what happened. And what was supposed to be just like this super relaxing trip to the beach to forget about all the woes of whatever, real life, impending real life, came to this. It was six young men on the shoulder of the dark highway just hugging each other and crying. (laughs) Just happy to be not dead. Calm down a little bit. Checking with JP, he's fine. He thought he just fell asleep. Unsure, we didn't know what to do. We're just like, ah. we just got back in the car, piled back in. My other roommate got behind the wheel, and we went to the beach. Cause after that, we're just like, we got, we have to, we have to unwind now. We have to drink some beers by the ocean. And it was a beautiful kind of like decompression that night. The next day I called up J.P. and I said, hey man, I told him what happened and I said, you might want to go, you know, go see a doctor, talk to him about that. And he got diagnosed soon thereafter with uh, uh, complex partial seizures, which is uh, this condition that if, if left untreated would just continue to, to uh, lead to things that happened that night. And it was something he was going to have to live with, you know, but he was just not going to stop him from living. I mean now I learned that, you know, that, that's kind of a big part of what growing up is all about. You just deal and then you you move on. And I also learned that uh, pot makes near-death experiences feel a lot more nearer. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. <clears throat>
1: is it for this time around, folks. Today's the day. Take a risk. Falling
2: suns <laughs> came as no surprise. yeah I'm off, yeah, the thieves are feeding mine. Took more people on, like that's what I need. Guess this man is not like the others. Then I will kill you in one fucking minute. Not one minute, 30 seconds. Yeah, you cock sucking fucking piece of shit.